0: What's up, you guys? Sean Ross dot FightfulSelect.com. This is your NXT TakeOver In Your House review for Fightful Select. Some of you uh, who are new here might be saying, why the hell are you doing this review and not a post-show review on Fightful? Well, I am actually headed over to the post-show uh, media conference. I do those each time. So in order to give our Fightful Select subscribers just a little bit something extra, I filmed my thoughts on the show As the show goes on, so I'm filming this right as the first match starts, and then I review each match immediately after it happens, uh, and then we have it good and tidied up, ready to go within minutes of the show actually closing. So if you want more thoughts, Denise and Jeremy are over there on Fightful.com, YouTube.com slash Fightful. You can listen to my review. You can do all of them if you want, but by God, let's go ahead and get into the show uh, MSK, Bronson Reed against Legato Del Fantasma, winner take all. Now, this was preceded by Todd Pettengill making the introductions and doing the voiceover. This is my kind of nostalgia. I grew up on Doc Hendricks, uh, Michael Hayes, and uh, Todd Pettengill in the 90s, mid-90s, on Saturday and Sunday mornings. Action Zone, Mania, even sometimes Superstars, and uh, that really did take me back. That was a, a nostalgia hit that... I just loved. And seeing Todd Pettengill come out and host it, wish they'd have him do more stuff. He's just so naturally good at it, too. What a welcome face. I'm glad that that Doc Hendricks, Michael Hayes, had more to do with it this year, and I think he he realized it's not people poking fun at him. Like, he's laughing with us because we knew how ridiculous Doc Hendricks was, and he was good at that as well. I mean, he's good at most of the things that he did on screen, but... Uh, that's more than I can say for these pre-show interviews that they had. Arash Mikazi was very good. Uh, and I thought Legata del Fantasma were okay. Raul Mendoza, who speaks the, the least amount of English of, of the lot, of the six, had the best promo, I thought, and the least like rehearsed-sounding dialogue. I thought that he was really good. I thought that uh, Joaquin Wilde was pretty good, and I thought that Santos Escobar was pretty good, but that material that they gave Bronson Reed and MSK was such garbage. It was so bad. It was just so, oh, hey, yeah, oh my gosh, we, we're we looking to win, there's no chance we can lose. Come on, man. Enrig work was good, though. Uh, specifically, I want to point out something that Nash Carter did. I think that's the damn name. Wesley and Nash Carter. Uh, sounds like Action stars on a CBS show in the 1990s, but but Escobar was outside, and Nash Carter went after him, hit him, and all that, and and you you set up a situation where Escobar is going to have to catch him on a moonsault, a dive off the turnbuckles while Escobar is outside. It's like, well, how do you justify Escobar standing there? Well, I'll tell you how. Nash Carter, brilliant spot. He runs up, he attacks a member of Legado del Fantasma and then jumps on the turnbuckles looking at them like he's going to jump on them. So Escobar would not be expecting the moonsault then within the context of Fabe, and it came, and it was really good. Uh, I like the triple-team the, the triple offense of MSK and Bronson Reed holding out. I think it was wild for a senton. That was good stuff. You're starting to see some more uh, slow integration of televised or television spots like the chin locks and stuff like that in the middle of the match that you maybe didn't see as much of over the past year, year and a half. Also a couple big spots towards the end, uh, Bronson Reed sending Escobar through the barricade. And then he gets the pin on Mendoza, I think. So this is three straight title matches that, that Escobar has lost. I'm ready to see him not compete for the titles now. Like, I thought it was weird that he could lose two Cruiserweight title matches, then move right up. And, I mean, maybe WWE is past that now. It's just they spent so much of my youth (laughs) showing me that you probably needed to get a win before you got a title shot. And seeing other companies do so well by leading into those title shots with wins, it makes me crave that and want that. But I fully expect him to just get another one because he didn't get pinned or whatever that may be. Uh fun match. It was fine. I like it. It didn't steal the show like I thought it was going to initially, but still a good match and it, it got a lot of stuff it got a lot of stuff done, but now where does Legato del Fantasma go? They have come up short in competing for three titles now. Zaya Lee gets a win over Mercedes Martinez. Zaya Lee looked like a star during her entrance. Her gear was main event quality gear. Mei Ying has still not stood up from the throne uh, as of the end of this match. This was not that long. It was, a, it was a pretty short match by NXT TakeOver standards. It was hard hitting. The pace was fast. Uh, I thought it was really good for what Xia Lee's skill set is and what they want to do with her. And she ended up getting the win with the, the, the Trouble in Paradise, effectively, is what it is. But there was a great spot where Mercedes did a hesitation butterfly suplex. And then Zaya answered with a wrist clutch exploder. That was really good. Uh, th- this was physical. It was quick. It was what it needed to be. After the match, Zia Lee goes after Mercedes Martinez with a chair and gets her ass beat. So they're probably going to do that match again. But Mercedes beat up her and Boa with the chair. And goes out towards Mei Ying. Well, then Mei Ying gets up. And you know the drill. You have fucked up now. Now you fucked up. Mei Ying grabs what looks like a tongue and death grip. And Mercedes hits her with a chair. But then she goes right back to it and heaves Mercedes off the edge of the ramp into the barricade. That spot looked rad. Um, as far as nerve holds go, I mean, they they work to a degree. So I'm like, okay, we'll see how this ends up. But uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in WWE to book something like this, whether it be NXT, main roster, anything like that. But I know that Triple H and Shawn Michaels were big proponents of this a few months ago and worked specifically to to make sure that the entrance was good and a lot of stuff like that based on people that I spoke to in NXT. Uh, Mercedes got a little bit of her heat back, but I mean, she had to beat up three people with a chair. So I mean, I think it worked out pretty well. This was an effective segment, I thought. Zia Lee won. It's a short match that plays to her strengths. And um, Mercedes got her heat back a little bit. She beat up somebody with a chair. It's like, okay, that that didn't bother me really at all. A decisive win for Xia And then we see Mei Ying doing the damn thing. Good showing. Ladder match. Million dollar championship. Oh, I've got a lot of sentimental connection to the million dollar championship, my friends. When I started watching wrestling, that was the coolest, most beautiful belt I had ever seen, mainly because it was so different. Uh, Obviously, my initials are SS. There are dollar signs all over it, so that appealed to me as a child. Uh, I just thought it was the coolest-looking title belt. And Ted DiBiase, to me, was the heel. I was more of a WWF kid than I was a WCW kid. So to me, Ted DiBiase was the biggest heel. Now, when I got started in wrestling, it was like Warrior versus Hogan. And, you know, I still liked Randy Savage and all that. So, Ted DiBiase was the big one. And I had the Ted DiBiase wrestling buddy, which I recently bought again, but it had that million dollar belt. Oh, man. Even when I got completely out of collecting anything wrestling memorabilia related, I had some million dollar belt stuff and a Ted DiBiase figure and all that. And uh, my wife actually got me a replica for our engagement gift, which is like the coolest thing ever. I, I just love that. I can see it now from here in my office. Uh, but and it just sits there. But I just look over at it and smile here and there. Uh, NXT does not need more titles. WWE does not need more titles. But you know what? For the sake of nostalgia, uh, I can be bought. And my price was that sweet nostalgia, my friends. I love it. I love it so much la knight gets the win and i had no desire to see that his promos are all right uh maybe he'll turn it up with this but i'd imagine cameron grimes wins it from him eventually i love the glass case they had the million dollar belt in it looked like a million bucks no pun intended uh la knight almost fell off the second rope after he won it that was funny uh but this was a very 90s ladder match, and I do not mean that in a necessarily good way. I don't think that LA Knight was a great selection for a ladder match. But uh, if, if it were in a more cynical place, I would say, okay, well, they're doing that so Cameron Grimes doesn't get pinned, and eventually he can win it back. But there, there just wasn't a lot of stuff that happened in this match. Uh, Grimes is a great worker. He's one of my favorite workers in WWE. There was a spot where he jumped off the lighting rig, which was cool. But you can see uh, L.A. Knight just talking to him way too much, calling the spot, like, got to know where the camera is there. And I'm sure he'll know. I'm sure that in the skull session, that'll be covered, and he won't make that mistake again. But Grimes had insisted on using a gold ladder, and that was his undoing because that was the spot of the match. He gets thrown off to the ramp, a little bit deflating. Cameron Grimes got a massive pop, uh, a fantastic pop in, It was very clear in that in-ring with Ted DiBiase a few weeks ago he was going to be a really good babyface. He was going to do really well, and um, I am not surprised. I'm so glad to see it, too, because, man, this guy kicks a bunch of ass. I just thought the build for Grimes was so much better. Uh, We saw some promos from Hit Row and uh, Tommaso Ciampa and, uh, and Timothy Thatcher. Got them on the show. That's good. I'm fine with that. I think Cameron Grimes has proved himself a, a major popular star in NXT, though. Like people want to get behind him. He's smaller than even some of the some of the guys there, and he can play that underdog really well. Um, he was the lovable loser, but you always knew that he could pull out wins. Like it wasn't one two three kid vibe or anything. It's just he doesn't look like a conventional superstar. He's very funny. He's got the accent. He is the person that I look at from the, from the preliminary card, so to speak, and say, okay, that's a person who raised his stock because he was, he was carrying that match big time. There's also Alex's point that he has made in the past where he thinks that this will lead to Cameron Grimes spiraling into a depression, going flat out homeless, losing all of his money for the sake of a comedy thing. Um, or I hope instead it's a redemption story. That's what I'm hoping. NXT women's title Raquel Gonzalez retains over Ember Moon. Oh, this was so much fun. This was a great showing for both women. Uh, this was 90% Raquel Gonzalez, and I think it needed to be. The main spots that Ember Moon got were a big stunner out of a suplex, a code breaker, the eclipse, and a tornado DDT. It was all giant. Like fast aerial offense, or not necessarily fast, but aerial offense that was big and impactful, like like David taking down Goliath. Raquel had some great offense herself. She did a Vader senton bomb where she twists out of the celestial splash, and she did basically a one person northern assault. For those of you who don't watch uh, Impact Wrestling and didn't watch the North or Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, it was a Canadian backbreaker. Where the person is flipped over, but instead of a, a Dominator, they go all the way over. Uh, I, I think she's done this a time or two before, but it looked so incredible. And it was just apropos that Big Mommy Cool and the Snake Eyes and the One-Arm Powerbomb. So reminiscent of Diesel in those early in-your-house days. But uh, also, i got to give credit to both Dakota Kai and Shotzi Blackheart. Dakota Kai was so smooth. Getting Raquel Gonzalez's foot on the rope after that eclipse. And that, that protects the eclipse. It doesn't get kicked out of. Instead, you got your foot put up on the rope. You're all good. That move gets protected. The champ gets protected. The person throwing the move gets protected. And we got a, a good match out of it as well. A really good match. And this is the type of match that I think that, that Raquel needs to be having. And Ember Moon had a great performance as well. Nobody thought she was going to win it, but a a really fun match. After this, they announced NXT Great American Bash for July 6th. That's great. You got a big event happening July 6th. Something to build to, but let me tell you what I was excited for. Dexter Loomis and Todd Pettengill playing freaking karate fighters. I know that a lot of you, we've got a younger demographic here. We've We've got some people that were barely alive when In Your House was around. Karate fighters were like, um, um, as you saw, a more modern Rock'em Sock'em Robots. They had weapons, some of them did. They had uh, legs that would flail around, uh, arms. It was so much more fun than Rock'em Sock'em Robots. A lot more versatility. I had them. I loved them. Uh, Johnny Gargano talked about it in our interview about how he wanted to bring back Karate Fighters. It happened. It was Dexter Loomis and uh, Todd Pettengill. But you know what? It happened. I love it. If you happen to have any Karate Fighters and you want to sell them to me for a reasonable price, hit me up. I badly want a set of those for a reasonable price. And for those of you who say that it won't work, it worked with a PS5. I put out there on Twitter, hey, somebody sell me a PS5 at retail price. And it happened. I'm going to try to will this into existence. I miss Karate Fighter so much. Todd Pettengill asks how Dexter Loomis is doing with the ladies. That was a great touch. A, A great touch. Todd Pettengill has been awesome throughout the night. Throughout the night we see William Regal struggling to uh, maintain order. There's lots of chaos, lots of pandemonium. They've been putting that over a lot lately. I think it's setting up for somebody to pop up. That's what I think. NXT Championship match. Holy crap. So they did the the four-way Iron Man match last year. But other than that, I don't think they've had an NXT title match with more than two people. Since 2014, and I usually enjoy NXT TakeOvers, and I know there's something special about 1v1, mano a mano, but so many times we see those, like, plodding matches at the beginning. Finisher, 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 kick out, kick out, kick out. The formula's been the same for a long time. If we're lucky. If we're lucky, that's the formula we get. Otherwise, we might get, like, the Bobby Roode-style matches that would just... Nobody talks about him anymore. This match was one of my favorite NXT title matches I ever saw. The pace was incredible. 100 miles an hour right out of the gate. And when you have five participants, it gives you the room to do that. You have to have a pace that fast because you're looking for a quick win. There are like these great spots. Double super kick on Dunn. Gargano doing the suicide DDT. The double Gargano escape. Dunn hit the bitter end on Cross. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly told me this week how excited he was to work with Karrion and Cross. It said it was basically him, his skill set with an extra 100 pounds. Well, Cross choked him out in this match and this was Cross's best showing besides maybe the Escobar match, but if you say that it was better than that, I'd buy it. This is a, an outstanding must-watch match. And like I said, when you have 5 people and it's one fall, it affects the psychology you're not going to be plotting around. You got more ingredients. You more people can take a rest, so to speak. There's a lot of different things that you can do here that you wouldn't be able to do in a regular one one-on-one match that we have seen NXT do so many times. And Cross was just chucking people all over the place. It was great stuff. There there were spots from five established talent that kept hitting over and over and over. Cross got through 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 this set at one point. This was great. Crowd did not make much noise for the finish. That's not promising, but uh here at home, I love the way that it worked out. um I thought that Karen Cross was gonna lose, but I would very much like Karen Cross to be like, "Fuck it, I'll fight everybody. give me four people, give me five people. I don't care. He should keep up this fast pace. Uh, I thought that he, he looked incredible in that match. I thought this was a lot of fun. We, I mean, we've got fans back. The biggest uh, Capitol Wrestling Center crowd that they have had, as we reported on Fightful Select, they confirmed it tonight. Uh, but they fell flat there. And that's, that's something that we haven't even had factored into our reviews on for, for such a long time. So, uh, I mean, yeah, even though I, I liked it, the crowd didn't seem to. The crowd didn't boo. They just didn't make noise. And that's not really a good thing. But we got William Regal. After all the mayhem had unfolded, he's walking out of the venue. And he's approached. And he says, it's been seven years. I've never seen this much bedlam, this much mayhem. And I think it's time for a change. I'm not saying that's who it is. But Samoa Joe was at the Performance Center this past week. Guys, thank you all so much. Make sure you check out Denise and Jeremy Lambert on the Fightful Post Show podcast. Until next time, my friends, we're out